Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this beautiful day? I hope wherever you are, you are feeling good. But if you're not, that's okay. Just take a deep breath here, cleansing the body. Inhale and exhale it all out the mouth. Just feel it go through and just clear the space and get ready for whatever might unfold for this episode. Okay, so... I have drawn a card from the Oracle deck, The Secret Language of Light. It's very curious, this whole idea of light language, and I'm not exactly sure what it is or how to describe it. I just know it's out there. Um, When I find out what it is, I will let you know. (laughs) Okay, so the card for today that I drew is Vesica Pisces. And I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I will describe the card for you. So it is a um, deep indigo, more purple background with lots of stars. And then these two overlapping circles and then inside the center, almost like a Venn diagram, um, but only two circles. And inside the overlap of those two circles are two smaller circles that overlap each other as well. And then in the center is a heart, a dazzling heart that has um, a little sun radiating out. Um, And then the two larger circles also have two radiating suns just coming out. It just looks really cool. And again, it's a podcast can't show it to you. I'm doing my best to describe it, but uh, maybe I will post that on my website and you guys can see what what the image is. Okay, here's what the guidebook says. Creating soul truth in the world. Ooh, okay, that's what we're doing. The outside world feels more real than the inner world because we have been encouraged to focus more on what is outside of us. We have learned to give things that can be seen by others or touched by us more importance than what we feel. Mmm, isn't that true? Making decisions can become difficult when our awareness is focused away from our inner needs and wants. Mm Mm-hmm. That for sure. How many of us go and, and, you know, are like, what do you guys think about this? If I did this, what do you think about that? You know, it's almost like we need to check with other people to make sure that we're on the path to what feels aligned for us. And that just shows us that we're not in self-trust, which is something we got to work on. Okay. Getting back to the guidebook. When our internal and external realities are integrated, decisions are clear and easily made. This is true. 
This leads to satisfaction, as there is no resistance to your fulfillment. When we scan the myriad of possibilities open to us in the manifested world, we will know what we want and will not feel overwhelmed. Aha! That is key, my friends. When you do not feel overwhelmed, you know that is in alignment for you. In this space, we become grateful for the decisions we have made and all the ones we will make in the future. Mm-hmm. All right. So there, this guidebook is great. It comes with uh, a meditation prompt. So I'm going to just read that to you and maybe you can try that um, when you have some space to, to sit and just focus on this meditation. Okay. So the Vesica Pisces, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is a symbol that shows how consciousness splits to know itself and expand life. From this place, it can reflect upon itself, seeing itself rather than just out from itself. Ooh, that's sort of the um, idea of meditation where you observe your thoughts because you know you're not your thoughts. Sometimes if we are not in meditation or not in our awareness, we feel like we have we are our thoughts, that we have become our thoughts, but really there is a space between our thoughts and ourselves. So we can observe our, ourselves from outside of ourselves, if that makes sense. Anyway, the Vesica Pisces is the basis of the seed of life and the flower of life. No matter how many times it splits and moves outward, there is always a link back to itself within the intersection of circles. Aha. Place a hand on this image, gently close your eyes and breathe deeply. Imagine you are sitting in the middle of a circle. This circle contains the eternal path of your soul, your consciousness. When you decided to come to earth to play in the physical, you created another circle. Imagine another circle forming next to you to represent your physical self. Part of the second circle overlaps the first. Sit in the overlap and feel your soul and physical body at the same time. Ooh, I love this. You are aligned in balance, in your heart, in love, and enlightened. Feel how free and peaceful you are. Be in this beautiful space you have created for at least one minute. When you are ready, breathe back into your physical self and know you are rebirthed each day through the cosmic womb that is the overlapping circles. You enter each day in truth in the overlap and then shift towards one of the realities depending on your thoughts at any moment. Come back to the center. Your life is happening now and you are constantly weaving in its direction. Where would you like your life to go? Create a new path. Open your eyes and smile. Ooh, I love this. And of course, my friends, you are free to journal on this once you try this meditation at home and see what comes forward. See what path opens up to you. Too often, we are in go, 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 go mode, right? We got to get here. We got to get there. We got this deadline, that deadline. We have, you know, this thing to achieve, that thing to take care of. Um, trying to put out fires, trying to build things, all kinds of things. But if you recall, if you are overwhelmed, then that is not necessarily in alignment for you. If you can pause and take a look around and see, not even pause, maybe just slow down and just see what's opening up around you you would be really dazzled by opportunities that you didn't see before, by 
connections you didn't see before by invitations that were calling to you that you kind of waved off. You're like, oh yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's okay. That's ridiculous. You know, stuff like that. Um, I will say in the past week, I have received um, a few small downloads from my higher self, my spirit team, uh, my spiritual team, where I was like, oh, I'm going to create a free Facebook group called Magical Midlife Mavens. How about that? Um, So yeah, so if you're listening and you are a woman of color in midlife, join my Facebook group because we're going to just gather together in community and talk about things that are of importance to us because a lot of society overlooks midlife women and older. You know, they, they tend to put us to the margins because they think we don't count. We don't matter. Like we just are on our path to our, (laughs) our grave. Um, but we've got a lot of life to live and we want to be more intentional with how we create, how we start chapter two, you know? Um, so yeah, so join, it's just, it's, I'm excited because I was like, wait, what? I mean, this, this, this thought came to my head and I was like, okay, I'll just do that. And what I love about this group is that we're going to incorporate our magic. We're going to bring tarot cards, Oracle cards. We're going to, you know, share some rituals or just talk about whatever, um, things we want to try, um, cord cutting, candle ceremonies, whatever, you know, just bring it all. And we're all just going to just be in community and and talk to each other because I don't know about you, but I feel like I, I have a lot of, um, friends who are midlife women of color, but we don't talk enough. <laughs> if you know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're spread across the country and some in other countries and, I just want a place to gather, you know, and it can be an asynchronous gathering because it's Facebook, right? And to just post something and be like, hey, I'm really feeling whatever, like this hot flash episode is really not fun. Or, oh my gosh, what's a hot flash? (laughs) I'm hot all the time. Whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be the physical stuff. You know, it could just be like, okay, my parents are aging and they're not listening to me about trying to put things in order for elder care because they're in denial that they're even aging, you know, or my kids are doing this and that and I just don't have the energy to drive them around or like, what do you guys do? Or I've been eating all kinds of junk food because that's what I'm craving. Is that the hormones or is that just me not caring about my body? Is this me being stressed? You know, whatever it is. And that's what I want to do. So join me, please, in my Facebook group. I'm very excited about it. Just search it up, Magical Midlife Mavens. And the cover image is one of a woman who is basically magical channeling fire. (laughs) I just love this image. Um, Everything's on fire because we are the phoenixes rising from the ashes of our chapter one life that has just fallen down into like oblivion. No, I mean, I'm being dramatic. It's just, we are at a point in our lives where it's like, oh, and I talked about this last episode. Oh, well, I see how far I've come. I see where I am now and I'm dissatisfied. 
I think I want to go and do the things that I want to do now. Like I did my responsibility, you know, like clapping your hands, dusting off your hands and being like, all right, now, now what? Do we go back to our dreams that we had when we were kids? Like, what did I want to be when I grew up? I don't know, actually, to be honest with you. I think about that. And um, because of hello, childhood trauma, I don't have a lot of childhood memories. A lot of my childhood memories have been blocked out. So I'm like, what did I want to be when I grew up? Did anyone ask me? I don't think anyone ever asked me. I don't even know if I had that inkling to dream about what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, I know, I remember maybe some classmates were like, I want to be an astronaut. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to be that. Um, maybe someone was like, I want to be a dancer. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to be that. You know, I, I vaguely remember people in my class and I'm talking, you know, kindergarten, first grade, when you talk about these things, I vaguely remember people sharing those dreams, but I don't know if I had that you know like what do you want to be when I grow I want to be a rock star I, I don't know maybe maybe I do I don't I don't really know I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to tune into that and see I'm very curious about it um the idea of rock star sounds really fun <laughs> I wish I you know stuck with my guitar lessons that I started in high school so that I could at least be a rhythm guitarist and sing while I played the guitar um but yeah no I didn't I didn't do that <laughs> unfortunately but I, I may try to pick it up. You know, it's never too late to do new things. Um, so yeah, I was thinking about how I'm gathering these women of color. And I remember way back at the start of my um, business, well, the business that this business is right now. And I say way back, it was like, before the pandemic, Maybe not too much more, maybe January of 2020. And I remember uh, a friend of mine, he, he owns his own business and, um, he and I talked and he, he owns, um, he's, he's owned his business for a while and, um, he's had his highs and his lows, but he has experience in the entrepreneurial world. Let's, let's just put that there as, as context. And he's a white guy. And he said to me, you know, I forget why we, why this even came up, but I had mentioned to him that my audience was solely women of color. Like I want to help women of color. I am going to teach yoga to women of color. I want to help women of color heal their traumas. I want to help women of color heal their generational, ancestral, inherited traumas, whatever it is, you know, kundalini yoga, meditation, breath work, all the things, everything that I know that I have been trained in, all of my embodied knowledge based on my lived experiences embodied knowledge is wisdom, all of that I want to share with women of color because I want to say, hey, I know what you're going through. Even though our paths may not be identical, they are similar enough where what I've learned can be applied to your journey. And let me share that with you so that your journey doesn't have to be as much of a struggle as mine was. You know, it's always nice to get that information 
from somebody. It's like, you know, I want to learn how to write a poem and I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm just going to go and read some poems and figure it out. Look at how the poems are built, tinker with it, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to go to school for it. You don't have to go to school for poetry. You just write whatever, right? But I will say that what I've learned from my poetry teachers and from my friends and colleagues who write poems has been so valuable to helping me evolve as a poet that I would probably, without them, I would probably be at square two, <laughs> you know, over the, the decades that I've been writing poems. I want to be, I've been writing poems since high school, so over 30 years. Um, I mean, I just think about like all this knowledge I gained. I mean, our life experiences as human beings on this planet are meant to be collaborative, you know, you don't go out and just study things, you know, you can, but then I think you have a harder time applying what you studied when you don't talk to other people who have experienced it or embodied it. Um, and as a side note, according to Kundalini yoga traditions, we are currently in the age of Aquarius and yes, just like that song the age of Aquarius, but nobody knows. Do you guys know what that even means? So prior to the age of Aquarius, it was the age, it was the Piscean age, the age of Pisces. And in the age of Pisces, knowledge is acquired through books, through textbooks, through reading things, being in a classroom, more formal education, like more structured. The age of Aquarius is when we acquire knowledge through experiences. And so I don't know if you've noticed but a lot of people are offering their teachings as experiences. Like I experienced this, so I'm going to share this with you. You know, I'm not, it's not necessarily like, here's a study of 500 people who did blah, 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 blah. And here are the results that were yielded. You know, it's not like that kind of knowledge anymore. It is about lived experiences. And yes, everyone's lived experience is specific to them right? But there are some similarities enough where the knowledge can be shared and made useful. That said, I was telling my friend about my specific audience. And he said to me, why would you, don't you think that's a little narrow? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, don't you want a wider reach? Like why not just make it all women? And I was like, well, I could do that. But I really want it to be just for women of color. And he was like, well, isn't that reverse racism? And I was like, no. <laughs> First of all, no. Racism, by definition, is available only to those who hold the power. It's a power structure. And our entire society... Our entire culture has been built on systemic racism where white folks are in power, period. Whether you feel that power as an individual or not doesn't matter. The structures in place lean towards favoring white folks over any other 
skin color. And if we need to have a breakdown of what systemic racism is, let me know. Drop me an email and I will give you a little tutorial, Racism 101. But there is, it's not possible to have reverse racism in this country. Um, yeah. So for him to say that, I was like, eh, okay, I will just step away <laughs> and hand him Racism 101 at a later date. But since then, I've been thinking about his um, his question, you know, why not um, include all women? Why keep it to just women of color? And for him to say, isn't that a little narrow, right, is already short-sighted because it, he's, his exposure to women of color is not as large as mine. And so his perception is that there are not a lot of women of color out there. And, uh, excuse me, you are mistaken. So this is just a reminder for all of us that what we see is very limited. What we see in our communities, in our environment, in the people we interact with, where we live is very limited. There are 7 billion people on this planet. I don't know how many people live in the United States. I didn't look it up, <laughs> but I know there's a huge percentage that are people of color. And of those people of color, there gotta be women in there, right? So it really is about reaching that larger audience. He, he's, his perception is limited to our area, you know, of where we live. So, so yeah, so I was thinking about, I was thinking about why women of color, aside from, you know, the obvious, I'm a woman of color and yeah, I want to help my people. What I said to him was, um, you know, white women have a lot more resources available to them than women of color, that they also have easy access to those resources if they need it. Women of color do not. And there's the added layer of mental health being a taboo subject in many communities of color, where if you go to therapy, it is seen as a weakness and no one wants to associate with you. It's like, oh, she's crazy because she went to therapy. Like, don't talk to her, you know, don't include her in our conversations because she's crazy. She's going to tell her therapist about us and then they're going to try to diagnose us and blah, 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 blah. There's something wrong with you if you go to therapy. That's a lot of the beliefs. That's the stigma that's in a lot of communities of color, particularly communities in the diaspora, the, the children of immigrants. You know, we carry the weight of the American dream. It's like, we came to this country so that you could live a better life. And so we got to put this pressure on you to achieve, 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 achieve get those high grades. You cannot do anything that you want to do because that's what, you know, the hippies do. That's what the lazy white kids do. You are here for a purpose and that is to achieve financial security and support us in our old age. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's not every narrative inside the diaspora, but it's a very popular one. I see that a lot in my undergraduate students and, um, 
it's it's kind of disheartening for me to hear because I feel like, oh, we really haven't come very far. Um, but my students, to their credit, you know, they have that awareness. And so it takes a little courage on their part where they say, all right, am I going to live my life for me or am I going to live my life for my parents? And I think that kind of conversation, those kinds of questions are a little more common now than they were when I was in college, which, you know, is, is some kind of comfort, but more often than not, I think, well, I guess it depends on the student. There are some students of mine who have that, that I don't even know what the word is, that sort of sass, that audacity to say, yes, I'm going to live my life for me and my parents aren't going to like it, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. And then there are those who are like, no, I feel bad. My parents work so hard. I watch them struggle and I want to help them out. And I get that, right? I get that. But who are you living your life for? You know, we're put on this planet for a purpose. And if you are delaying your purpose because you want to meet the expectations of your parents, you're not going to be happy. Um... So yeah, that's why I work with women of color, particularly those who are children of immigrants, but you know, women of color, we all experience some level of racism and sexism. Um, and I want to be able to create these communities where we can talk to each other and not feel like we have to hold back or that we have to censor ourselves, or that we have to, you know, look over our shoulder and be like, okay, what does that white woman think of me? Or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, but then, but then recently, here's another layer. I was hosting a Zoom room. And it was a mixed room. I had both women of color and white women in the room. And what I noticed was that the white women were centering themselves. We were, we were doing some sharing and it was like the energetic microphone kept getting pulled towards the white woman saying, oh, this is my, this is what I'm going through. This is this. And we're all trying to be supportive, but it was this insistence of I know what I'm going through. I know how to interpret this. I know how to make meaning of it. And yeah, 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 that's all nice and good what you guys are saying, but no, 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 this is what I'm experiencing, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, so this person not only is centering herself, but she's also not open to what other people are offering. I will take note of that. And then when I was speaking, I was offering um, my take on something and the person I was speaking with was very open to what I was saying. She was, she was great. She was like, oh yeah, yeah, totally, totally receiving what I was saying. And then um, another white woman comes in and tries to support what I'm saying, but she misinterprets what I'm saying. She misreads what I'm saying. 
and she basically reversed and twisted around what I was offering. And I was like, no, no, no. I tried to correct her. I said, no, no, no. I meant this instead. And she goes, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait, what? Um, and, you know, I'm not giving specifics on purpose because this was, you know, a an intimate group and not to be shared outside of the room. Um, but I wanted to just point out that it was very interesting that this white woman who was trying to, I don't know if she was trying to mirror what I was saying or she was just trying to provide her own take on things, but she had taken my words and inverted them. And I was like, no. And then I corrected her and she still didn't hear me. And I was like, oh, oh, right, right, right. You don't hear me. Like you, physiologically speaking, cannot hear me. And I was like, that's why I work with women of color. I will not expend my time and energy on people who cannot see and hear me and what I offer, who are not able to receive anything that I offer. There is a lot of, I don't know if it's obliviousness or, I mean, maybe that's what it is. I I don't know. I don't know. But it was just so fascinating for me to observe that. And I could tell from the women of color in the room, they didn't have time for this. They were like, "Mm -mm, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for white tears and white fragility. I don't. And I agree. I agree. So while I do have affection for the white women in my life, I have white women friends and they are amazing and awesome and wholly conscious and self-aware. And they were actually not in the room. (laughs) So maybe my experience would be different had they been there, but, um, but they get it. If I, if they listen to me say this, they get it. They're like, yeah, totally. I get it. And so I, I don't, I don't want to use my time in that way. I would rather spend my time with women of color who need to be seen and heard by another woman of color to be validated for their experiences instead of trying to fight for attention from a white woman instead of trying to just sit there and watch white women cry again instead of holding their tongue because I know there was one woman of color in there who wanted to like call out this this white woman for her um centering herself but she held back because she was trying to be nice she was trying to be compassionate she was trying to do the things and I was like girl Mm -mm. that's not, we're not here to do that emotional labor. And so that's why I focus on women of color. I want to gather women of color so we can talk to each other for real. We can talk in whatever diction we want to talk. We can use whatever slang we want to talk and we don't have to explain ourselves. That is the key. We can just talk however we want and not explain ourselves and be like, well, you know, let me, let me give you some context from where I'm coming from. No, we know where you're coming from. We know, we just know. 
And that is the beauty. That is the magic. That is the freaking like brilliance of gathering women of color together. And I will say, I have not had many of these experiences of gathering with women of color. And I will say in those experiences, each time has been freaking magical, like fantastic, like, oh my God, we need more of this. I mean, it lights me up. Like you don't even know, you know, I, um, I'm part of a, a writer's collective, just women of color. And, um, I really wish that we could just meet more frequently, but I know everyone's schedules crazy and, you know, we're across different time zones and stuff, but it would just be so amazing for us to get together regularly because there is some magic that happens. And I know I use magic a lot. Like I use that word all the time because you know what? My life is magical. (laughs) Just going to say that. Um, but Yeah, there is something so beautiful about women of color coming together in community to just share what is on our hearts, knowing that we don't have to explain ourselves. We don't have to give context. We don't have to apologize. We just be who we be. That's it. That's what I want. I want that community and I will create that community. So go join my Facebook group. (laughs) I just started a new one. It's called Magical Maven. Oh, no, no, sorry. Hold on. Magical Midlife Mavens. And it's just a free Facebook group community where women of color are going to get together and talk about what it's like to be in midlife, you know, just be like, hey, you know what? My parents are aging and I need help, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Um, Or my kids are giving me a hard time, you know, that kind of thing. Or I'm stuck in the middle. How do I start chapter two? So, um, so yeah, I, I just, you know, I think about that. And then I, about 20 years ago, wow, it's been 20 years. I was part of VONA Voices, which is, VONA stands for Voices of Our Nation's Arts, right? And it's a literary organization. It's a writer's organization, all people of color, all genres. Amazing. Like when I was there for their summer workshops, it was like, whoo, there was so much love and there was so much power in just in being in community in and gathered with other folks of color. I mean, there, it was, it was powerful. And then to come back after that, Reentry was hard. Reentry, I want to say, took like two weeks to be like, whoa, what happened? We were in our little bubble of, you know, love fast and not having to explain ourselves. Everyone got each other. I mean, sometimes we didn't even have to like use whole sentences. And then it was just like, oh, that's what's possible. Shoot, I got to go create more of that. So that's what I've been doing trying to create more and more of these communities of color. I mean, for me, specifically women of color and specifically midlife, because we're going through all kinds of things. You know, it's not enough just to be a woman of color. We got like the midlife stuff happening, which is like physical, right? Like, let's talk about hot flashes or not, you know, sweating for no reason at all or not. 
hormonal undulations, <laughs> peaks and dives. Um, you know, thinking about like, ooh, we are at the top of the, the proverbial hill right now. So let's look back at how far we've come. Am I satisfied with where I'm at right now? Hmm, I don't know. Hmm, lots of questions. Lots of questions are popping up. So yes, I invite all of you who are listening, if you are a woman of color and you are in that midlife zone, and remember, midlife is not an age. It's just a point in your life where you're like, oh, here's where I'm at. Now, I'm ready for chapter two. Where do I go from here? If you are one of those people, if you are my people, come join me in my Facebook group. It's free. It's Magical Midlife Mavens. You just got to search it up on Facebook. Um, And we got some witchy woman like bringing out the fire because I'm all about the fire. We are going to be the phoenixes rising from the ashes of chapter one as we create chapter two of our lives with full intention and magic tarot oracle candle stuff candle ceremonies rituals all kinds of things um and I feel like maybe I've said this before but (laughs) I don't know I'm just getting so excited about it I'm like did I say this already I don't know um so yeah join the group because we're going to be doing some awesome things and uh starting December 1st there is something I'm calling dig into divine darkness you like all the D sounds? Yeah, it's going to be a little 21 day thing as we really just get comfortable with the darkness because we are approaching winter solstice and that is the longest night of the year. And a lot of people associate darkness with not so good things, but I beg to differ. I think it's a time for us to get nurtured, for us to go within and to restore. So join me on that journey starting December 1st. Um, You'll find out more details if you join the Facebook group. All right, my friends. And so on that note, I am going to close this episode with a poem from The World I Leave You, Asian American Poets on Faith and Spirit. And so we have before us, this poem is by Wendy Chin Tanner, and this is called Advent. And I'm not going to say, oh, what a coincidence, because there are no coincidences. I will say how synchronous, because we are starting Advent. Advent, evergreen, who waits for Sundays? For the end of the year, clear, brisk air of night. The moon, a small ball in passing, empurpling a stripe of vaulted black sky, a wreath of the sun's shadow light, reflection of a star. You are dust, the dust you tell yourself of some dead star, staring back to see how far you have fallen. Hmm, I think I have to read that again. Advent. Evergreen, who waits for Sundays, for the end of the year, clear, brisk air of night, the moon a small ball in passing, empurpling a stripe of vaulted black sky, a wreath of the sun's shadow light, 
reflection of a star. You are dust, the dust you tell yourself of some dead star staring back to see how far you have fallen. Wow. Love that. All right, my friends. Hope you have a beautiful day. I will end this episode as I always do. The, the divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos. By signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox, go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.